You are listening to the Backyard Philosophy Podcast, a podcast where a couple friends sit and talk around the fire after everyone else has gone to bed. Grab a drink and join us as we discuss everything from famous explorers, artificial intelligence, and what is the meaning of life. In the age of kings and queens, the time of medieval ages, wars were rampant throughout Europe. Trees, range marriages were a dime a dozen, and lavish gifts for royalty were a commonplace. So a question arises, what do you get a king born to a powerful family and has the world at his fingertips since the age he was nine? Well, you give him something from a foreign land, something that is one of the scariest things during the time period and even scary during the modern era. But before I tell you this gift and what ensues along with it, Mick, how are you and what are you drinking? I'm great and I am drinking some bush light. How about yourself? Well, we're in the medieval ages and I'm drinking some Babylon bourbon, so I'm always a happy so camper. Babylon? Bab- Babylon? Babylon? Babylon or Babylon? Nope. Okay. Babylon. I thought you were just stuttering again. Nope. That's the. Well, wait until later in the podcast when I have to pronounce some of these names. We start with Henry I of England, who, sometime during his life, between 1068 to 1135 AD, made, established, and started a tradition, in sort of words, a park, placed to keep foreign animals he was given, purchased, and occasionally hunted. In the first zoo-slash-hunting grounds established by Henry I, there are said to be leopards, lions, lynx, a camel, and a porcupine. For those who do not know, those creatures are not native to England, where Henry I of England ruled although there were used to be lot although there used to be lions in europe alas no more but never as far north and definitely not on an island this quote unquote resort of sorts became traditional in england royalty reigns then came king john the king that earned the nicknames as john lackland john soft sword and the phony soft king. sword soft sword any backstory there that's a tale for another time but a little background on him, you might be familiar with this name because it's most associated with the fictional tale of Robin Hood, the villain Robin Hood story, King John. So with a nickname like Soft Sword, needless to say, he was not the most popular guy. I thought, I thought you said Soft Sword, you might be familiar with him because of your background. <laughs> well, I don't know what you do on Saturday nights, Nick, and I'll leave it at that. But during his reign as King of England, King John would begin to move the zoo of unique animals away from the original location. Then came Henry, Henry III. Henry III, born October 1st, 1207 AD, would die November 16th, 1272 AD, but in his lifespan would definitely be unique with the animals. Either he would become extremely fascinated or be adorned with them, but either way, Henry III in his lifespan, it's going to get a lot of animals. When King John died, Henry's father died from disease, which he developed during the time when the nobles and people of England revolted against him, leading the country into a civil war. But yet again, story for another time. Strange women lying in lakes distributing swords is no basis for a system of government. Well, it is England, so it is possible. After King John's death, Henry III would be pronounced king at age nine, but would not rule or lead until he was in his 20s. Henry grew up now in his 20s, having more power, would establish the Tower of London Menagerie. 
for a new home of exotic animals. A menagerie is, for those unfamiliar, it's just a place for animals to be kept, trained, and shown off. So another name's a fancy zoo. This Tower of London was established in 1235 AD, and some of the first animals to adore the new zoo were three lions, which historians actually think were leopards due to the description of the animals made by the people seen at them by that time. You have to remember, ladies and gentlemen, the internet did not exist, education and traveling was not common, so not knowing what animal, especially when it was brought in by a foreign leader, is kind of pretty common. These three, well, we'll just call them cats for now since we actually don't know what animals they are. These three cats were given by Emperor Frederick II. The reasons why I could not find my research, perhaps source support, celebrate, or simply just doing what royalty does. But the three cats to represent the three lions on the English flag, I imagine had some symbolism in it. With Henry's new tower, which was not just a tower, but a small villa, I guess is the best way to describe this area, it started to get filled. Lions or leopards, exotic birds, camels. Each time the royalty showed off their richness by getting another exotic animal, they gave it to Henry III. But some animals, I say, definitely outdo the others. In 1252, Henry was given a gift by King Hanak of Norway. I hope I pronounced that right as it's hard to spell. Definitely a unique gift. And Nick, you want to take a guess at what this exotic animal could be? Is it a reindeer from Norway? It is from Norway, and it's not a reindeer. Is it has four legs? It has four legs. Oh, we're finding 20 questions. I love it. It's from, is it from Norway, or do they get it from somewhere else? It's a good question. I should probably know the answer from it, but I'm guessing they probably got it from Norway. Some kind of mountain lion? No, but you are right at the predatory part. In 1252, King Hanak of Norway would give Henry III a polar bear. <laughs> As one does. That's right, a polar bear. Henry had a pet polar bear. Boy, sometimes it's good to be the king. What? I have so many questions. One, how the hell do they capture a polar bear? Two... How the hell do they transport a polar bear? But the main reason the king of Norway at this time was giving Henry this gift is because uh, the king of Norway was expanding his territory from Ice to Iceland and Greenland, kind of expanding, and since that's very kind of close to England, wanted good ties with them, trading routes. So a polar bear, which is in this time still mythological almost to the Norway region people, uh, a status symbol is a better word choice. But I imagine... That was pretty much everyone's entire first time of seeing a polar bear in England. I mean, Nick, imagine being a poor peasant working the fields, and all of a sudden you see a white, huge, apex. Pre polar bears, I believe, are the largest of the bear family. I, you you have to shit bricks seeing that view. So you're just out there toiling to the fields, and... I didn't vote for him. And this fucking polar bear walks past? I mean, do you think they had it on a leash? Or, like, what cage did they construct to move this thing around in? Can you imagine being the guy who's moving this fucking bear around? Like, all right, you got this polar bear in Norway and just, you know, get it to England. Imagine, or either they had to transport it by land or by sea. Well, it, so eventually it had to get on a boat. With Imagine being on a boat with a polar bear. Like, I, I imagine everyone's climbing the mast to keep away from it. Ugh. But you are sort of right of on a leash. 
but a little bit more sad. This polar bear, unfortunately, didn't have the best life. Yeah, no shit. It lived in England. <laughs> it went from a cold tundra to a rainy wetland. Ugh. Constantly chained up to keep it in this makeshift zoo. And also chained up, I imagine, to stop it from eating any people. It most likely was malnourished. And for an attempt to keep it fed, they allowed the polar bear into the river Thames to hunt fish. So once again, I can't imagine being a poor fisherman, rowing my boat, and seeing a white polar bear emerge from the water. What year is this again? This is 1252. Okay. So it's probably... The river's not as sewagey yet as it will be, so that's good at least. It, I mean, it's good at least, but usually when I'm in the water, Nick, depending on where I'm at, it's sharks, squids, barracudas. But never have I thought to myself while fishing or rowing a boat that I wonder if there's a polar bear in the water. And apparently the, I guess, zookeeper had a good relationship with the polar bear because he was even able to once in a while put a muzzle on it to take it out. And uh, balls of steel to that man to try to muzzle a polar bear in an age where they didn't have anesthesia. It's like the, the guy in Jabba's palace who cares for the rancor. Yeah, yeah. Balls of steel. The polar bear was Henry III's crown jewel at his weird zoo. Yeah, see what I did there, Nick? Crown jewel. Saw what you did. It just We're going to float right on by. <laughs> hey, float on by, fisherman. There we go. Uh, for many years, until the year about 1255 rolled around, the polar bear was the crown jewel. Three years after getting the polar bear as a pet, the king of France sent a rather large gift to Henry. The king of France sent over an elephant. I want to remind everyone again, elephants aren't native to England. And if I'm not mistaken, they're not even native to Europe. So either they captured an, elf, an African elephant or an Indian elephant and brought it thousands of miles in a time where there was no, fran no fast form of transportation. How they did it, no idea. Well, anyhow, this elephant would live at the tower complex, but sadly only lived a few years. Maybe malnourished again, cramped conditions, probably not the best for an elephant. But apparently, the causation of its death, or rapid death, was while at the tower, apparently, once in a while, the elephant was given red wine. A drunk elephant, I can't tell if that's a premise for a comedy movie or a horror one. Henry would die not long after having his power stripped from him and died officially in November 16, 1272, but the zoo would continue. Next to come along to keep the zoo going would be King Edward I, sometimes better known as Edward Longshanks. That's right, the same King Edward who would kill William Wallace. King Edward in 1277 would construct, would construct a semicircle cage area. Not sure how to classify it, but... It was for quote-unquote beasts. This new pen would be nicknamed the Lion Tower. The Lion Tower was guarded, not sure for the animal's sake or the people's sake. In fact, if you were in the 1300s and wanted to visit the Lion Tower, you'd have to wait for a drawbridge to fall, cross a moat, and, watch, and be watched by armored guards. For there are more animals that came and went, not exotic as a polar bear or an elephant. But still, lions, leopards, hyenas, other jackals. I mean, it was crazy what this lion tower had. And it would continue like that. And no extreme exotic animals would happen until the year 1622, when James I took over. He would refurbish the lion tower and edit it so people could easily see the lions and other beasts. 
and apparently improving the lion's living conditions, kind of making it a tourist spot. And during James the first rule, he would add three eagles, two pumas, a tiger, a jackal, leopards, and much more lions. A puma? Uh, I think it looks more like a warthog. <laughs> I'm just also worried. I'm also trying to figure out how the hell do you capture a tiger and bring a tiger all the way to England? <laughs> this trend would continue in some document cases of zookeepers, soldiers, and visitors occasionally getting maimed and killed started to pop up. I imagine it happened in the early days of the zoo, but I couldn't find any records supporting it. Till still, after the killings of the zoo, the zoo kept on going. To about 200 years later, where in either 1826 or 1830, I found conflicting dates at that time, the government would decide to relocate the zoo once again into Regent's Park. About 150 animals were moved from the tower to the new park. The rest of the remaining animals were sold either to zoos, circus, or rich people. With the animals out of the Lion Tower, the Lion Tower was soon demolished. Nearly another two centuries would pass till something I found truly unique happened. In 2010, the historic Royal Palace commissioned an artist by the name of Kendra Haste, who created 13 metal wire sculptures of the animals of the Tower of Mandarin, Henry's Tower. Animals that were once there, the sculptor sculpted baboons, lions, an elephant, and of course, a polar bear. These sculptures, at least to me, gave a perspective of the cramped living conditions these poor animals have, but yet the amazement to think of these foreign animals living in a foreign land and this craziness of the world. You can still see these sculptures today, and it begs the question, Nick, if we're ever in England, you want to go see a polar bear? I mean, I've seen a polar bear, and I've done it not in England. So if I am in England, I guess I don't really go need to see the statue of I mean, I'm going to see everything else they've stolen from all over the world, so I guess why not? <laughs> but a polar bear that used to swim in the river to catch fish in England, that's just thats just straight out fiction. And sometimes truth is stranger than fiction. But that's all I have for this tale of the zoo that was created out of a hunting ground and created by royalty giving gifts to royalty. To me, it's a bit comical on how many kings kept this tradition going and Comical on how many exotic animals. I mean, jackals, lions, leopards, an elephant, and a polar bear. You just can't make some things up. And as always, thank you all for listening. Thanks for listening to the Backyard Philosophy Podcast. We rarely finish a podcast without missing a point we wanted to bring up, so let us know what we forgot. And if you have a topic you want us to talk about, let us know at Backyard Philosophy on Instagram, 